0: Hey, Rihanna Patrick here, and welcome to The Briefing. It's technology which can write essays, poetry, search the internet, and even have a conversation with you. But it also has the potential to spread misinformation and disinformation like never before.
1: A machine or a group of machines can spread far more misinformation than humans ever could on their own. The volume is going to be the problem. And what most experts, including Jeremy Howard, who I interviewed for my piece, believe is that we're really going to have to change how we view anything we see on the internet.
0: New AI chatbot, ChatGPT, has got a lot of people talking with what it can do, but how much should we trust it? And do we need to be more discerning about the information it gives us? That's today's briefing, but first, Headlines with Eleanor Harrison Dengate. It's Wednesday, the twenty-first of December.
2: Thousands of people across the country will mourn the deaths of two police officers today, with a memorial service to be held at Brisbane Entertainment Centre, taking place at ten a.m. Twenty-nine-year-old Rachel McCrow and twenty-six-year-old Matthew Arnold were killed just over a week ago after they were ambushed while attending a welfare check on a rural property at Wyambilla.
1: This has really touched people right across the country through the uh, tragic and the vicious way in which they were executed, which is absolutely un-Australian, but it's an opportunity to pay tribute to two fine young officers whose lives were tragically cut short.
0: That's Ian Leavers there, the Queensland Police Union President. And Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, along with Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk, will be among those attending. While a private memorial service will be held in Ipswich on Friday for neighbour Alan Dare, who was also killed
2: in the gunfire after he came to the property to help after seeing smoke. Two men have been handed lifetime bans by Football Australia following last weekend's A League pitch invasion in Melbourne. A 19-year-old man as well as a 23-year-old man who you may remember has been charged with striking the Melbourne City goalkeeper Tom Glover with a bucket full of sand. They've both been banned from attending matches and events as well as from playing for life.
0: Yeah, the pitch invasion saw about 150 people pour onto the field, leaving four people injured, including Glover. And in a statement, Football Australia CEO James Johnson says that the disruptive, destructive
2: and violent behaviour won't be tolerated. So an 18-year-old man has also been charged by police, but he hasn't been levelled with a ban. Detectives have identified another five men, and they're also looking for five more.
0: Yeah, today is also D-Day for Melbourne Victory. The club has until 9am to show why they should not face serious sanctions for bringing the game into disrepute. And if they're unsuccessful, Football Australia could deduct competition points, level fines and lockout spectator from games. So continuing fallout from what happened on Saturday, Eleanor.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Melbourne Victory Club say.
0: Yeah, so Football Australia says that more lifetime bans are likely With the CEO, James Johnson, also saying that Football Australia is working around the clock on this investigation to ensure that scenes
2: like this in Melbourne are never repeated. I've got to say, I feel like a lifetime ban sounds like an incredibly effective punishment for for people who seem to be so passionate, the right word, passionate about football.
0: Foreign Minister Penny Wong will speak with her Chinese counterpart Wang Yi in Beijing today.
2: I certainly welcome the opportunity to continue dialogue. Uh, We've been working very carefully, uh, methodically, and patiently towards stabilising the relationship. So it seems Australia's trade relationship with China is already thawing ahead of the talks because Beijing's customs department has officially encouraged uh, the buying of Australian lobsters, health products Ugg boots and pearls. So that's the first hint an official ban on Australian lobsters, which has been in place since October 2020, could be about to be relaxed.
0: Yeah, well, the state media outlet, the Global Times, published an editorial saying that the relationship is starting to warm up from its freezing point. Um, and Wong will spend just one day in China getting $20 billion worth of trade sanctions lifted, which will be at the top of her agenda, along with the release of two Australians currently
2: detained in China, writer Yang Jun and journalist Chung Lei. Meanwhile, former Labor Prime Minister Kevin Rudd will become our new ambassador to the US. Kevin Rudd is an outstanding appointment, Uh, he brings a great deal of of credit to Australia by agreeing to take up this position as a former prime minister, as a former foreign minister. So Rudd says he's honoured to accept the role, there have been a few mutterings that uh, he might go a bit off piste and uh, Anthony Albanese could be dealing with another foreign minister, so we'll see how that works out.
0: Four young people who went missing while paddleboarding in choppy waters off Victoria's Mornington Peninsula have been found. It was it was alright initially. So but suddenly, you know, I don't know, there was like a wind. Just keeping us away from the beach.
2: That's 18-year-old Rong Shu on the ABC there. So he and another 18-year-old man, as well as two women aged 18 and 19, had set off on Monday evening from the Rosebud Foreshore, uh, which is in the southeast of Port Phillip Bay, uh, before they were pulled out by the tide and caught in strong winds.
0: Yeah, they washed up on Swan Island in the early hours of Tuesday morning where they found shelter in a hut, eventually being found by security guards. And Eleanor, it sounds like it was a bit of a miracle that they were found.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what Rongsha said. And, you know, one of the kids' fathers said that they actually weren't particularly good swimmers. And then, you know, they were out at sea trying to sort of flag down passing boats, people on the beach, people couldn't see them properly. They're trying to get to lighthouses and then they just kept missing them um, and they were just paddling for hours and hours and hours.
0: Yeah, and so those four have been taken to hospital in a stable condition and their muscles obviously were examined for damage after those hours of paddling.
2: So briefly, Splendour in the Grass organisers have been fined $100,000 due to failing to comply with a traffic management plan at this year's festival. So 10 schools near where the festival is held in Byron Bay will receive $10,000 each, and that's because they also had to deal with a bit of the fallout from the traffic issues.
0: The Dutch Prime Minister has apologised for the Netherlands' role in the slave trade. Seven Dutch ministers have travelled to the country's former colonies in South America and the Caribbean and will echo the apology. The slave trade helped fund the Netherlands' economic and cultural golden age. And the original ET robot has been
2: sold for $4 million.
0: Eleanor, I'm a bit excited about an <laughs> ET robot, but apparently a really rare piece one of the last surviving animatronic ETs used in the making of the film, uh, but also saw, um, apart from Darth Maul's lightsaber, there was a Harry Potter Nimbus 2000 broom used in The Prisoner of Azkaban, um, which sold for just over $120,000. So someone's having a Merry Christmas.
2: I'm really glad I now know what you would do if you had a spare $4 million too. That's true.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Eleanor. Uh, coming up, AI chatbots. It's been created by one of the world's most ambitious AI labs, but a new chatbot, ChatGPT, seems to have captured the imagination of millions. But it's more than just a chatbot or a super-powered search function. ChatGPT can complete maths problems, it can speak in Shakespearean, and it can even tell you a story if you ask it to. But as great as it sounds, there are still a few challenges this technology needs to overcome. Cade Betts is the New York Times technology correspondent. Kate, thanks for joining the briefing. What is this new AI chatbot that's got everyone talking?
1: Well, it does a pretty good job of chatting with you, first of all, or at least a better job than any technology along similar lines has done in the past. Uh, it's also gotten in front of many more people than similar technologies in the past. Over a million people have used this over the past three weeks, and it has given them insight into a type of technology that has really been building to this point for the last five years.
0: So when we talk about what chat GPT is. I mean, what is the potential of the technology that we're seeing here and what could it possibly do going forward? On
1: one level, it is what people call a chat bot, meaning you can chat with it. You can ask it questions in you know a pretty casual manner and it will respond. And you can, to a certain extent, have a back and forth exchange with it as if you were having a back and forth exchange with a person. But calling it a chatbot doesn't completely describe it. The other thing that this type of technology can do is generate all sorts of other digital text, not just responding to your questions, but it can generate, let's say you want a series of ideas for some tweets you want to send out. It can generate those tweets for you. If you want it to l- write a blog post on a certain topic, it can do that. It can even generate computer code for a computer program. It can generate all sorts of digital text that you can then reuse uh, in in other scenarios. If you step back and you look at all this, you you can think of this really as a as a better version of say a Google search engine, in a sense, or a digital assistant like Alexa or Siri.
0: So you mentioned that it has captured the imaginations of a lot of people who've jumped on to give it a try. Have you given it a try yet?
1: I sure have. It's a technology that has, like I said, been under development for about five years, not only at OpenAI, which is the company that released this particular chatbot, but at many other companies, including Google and Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, Microsoft, and many other artificial intelligence labs across the world. So this is something that I've been following and been using for years now.
0: So what kinds of things did you use it for, Kate?
1: <laughs> All sorts of things. You, you know, it's 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 a party trick in in some ways where. If you haven't used this technology before, it's just amazing to see all sorts of questions that it can answer in this completely confident way. So I cover for instance um what's called uh, quantum computing, uh a, a a new type of computing that is under development at various companies and so I asked it to explain to me, describe to me what a quantum computer is and and it can do that. Uh, I interviewed for a piece I recently wrote a guy who's who's based in Australia named Jeremy Howard, a, an artificial intelligence researcher who was instrumental in building this type of technology. He has put his 7-year-old daughter in front of this and she has asked everything from can you describe chat pt she says what trigonometry is is good for. Can you write me a story about a character named Flim Flammy, right? And it can, it can do all those things. But this also comes with a warning. And Jeremy Howard was good at underlining this. He told his daughter, you also have to realize that you cannot believe everything this technology says. Just as you can't believe what everything that people tell you, just as you can't believe everything you read on the Internet. This technology delivers its answers in a super confident way. And we tend to assume when machines do that, that they're right. And they're not necessarily right. And one of the things about this technology is that it generates all sorts of information that may or may not be true. So whereas it's fun to use this, uh, whereas it's fascinating... You have to take everything it says with a grain of salt.
0: It's quite entertaining. You're absolutely right. But I mean, as you've mentioned there, the danger of misinformation when technology like this is pulling from what's available on the internet. I mean, what is a real world example of how someone who wants to spread misinformation and disinformation could use AI chat box technology? In a lot
1: of ways, what it's it's going to amplify a problem that we've all dealt with for years now. The problem of of disinformation on the internet. In the past, if you wanted to spread this information in a, in a kind of calculated way, you had to hire a bunch of people and you had to put them into a room and they had to type out whatever misinformation it was you wanted to spread and they had to spread it. Now, what we're seeing is that in the years to come, machines will be able to do that. And the reason that's important is that that a machine or a group of machines can spread far more misinformation than humans ever could on their own. The volume is going to be the problem. And what most experts, including Jeremy Howard, who I interviewed for my piece, believe is that we're really going to have to change how we view anything we see on the Internet. As a society, we're going to have to be more skeptical Uh, not only about the text that we read, but the images that we see. This same technology can be used to generate images as well as text. So we're going to have the same problem across multiple media. And the question remains, is our society up to that task? Are we up to being that skeptical of everything that we see?
0: I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? That we really have to start questioning more of what we see and not just taking it on face value. Uh, but I guess, you know, this is one of the problems that, that companies are coming up against. But I mean, open AI, as you were saying, aren't the only, only company developing this kind of work. But I mean, what are some of, what have other companies encountered in developing this tech? If that's one part of it about the way that these bots use information or maybe facts merging with a little bit of you know with a little bit of fiction in there as well
1: there are multiple problems so whether you're open ai or you're google which is also at the forefront of this or any other company building this technology or any other academic lab you're dealing with the fact that this technology blends back with fiction you're also dealing with the fact that it can generate toxic information hate speech another language that you don't necessarily want a system like this uh, delivering. These systems can also be biased because they're trained on data from the internet, which is biased. Um, They're going to exhibit that bias as well. So potentially bias against women or people of color. These are issues that, that all these companies are trying to solve, but it's not obvious how to solve these issues. Um, we've had some progress, but there are no definite solutions.
0: So, Kayden, then, I mean, should we trust AI chatbots?
1: You should tr- trust them no more and no less than anything else you come across on the Internet. This has been our job for years now, to take into account what you're reading and to double-check it, to to not take everything that you're given at face value. That's a hard thing to do, particularly with a technology like this that is so conversational in a way that seems to be so human. We need to remember that whenever we're having a conversation with anyone, whenever we're reading anything on the Internet, we need to have some skepticism. We have to we have to think that what we're hearing, what we're seeing may not be right. We have to double check it, whatever the source is. And this is certainly true of this technology as well.
0: So after delving into this, Kate, I mean what did you walk away thinking when it comes to just I guess how popular chat GPT is at the moment?
1: Well, it's been clear for a while that this this technology was coming. What this shows that there there is a real appetite for it from the general public they enjoy interacting with this type of system and we're, increasingly we're going to see companies start start to deploy this this type of thing and and we'll see if if they can they can iron out the wrinkles deal with the flaws we'll see if they can actually make money from it we'll see how these sorts of things dovetail with the services that we use today these are all open questions But one thing we do know is this technology is impressive today. It is continuing to be improved, not only by these companies we've talked about, these well-known businesses like Google and Meta and Microsoft and OpenAI, but this is technology that is freely available to anyone who wants to build off of it. It's what's called open source software. And that's where the disinformation problem is is doubly disturbing. These known companies can restrict um, in various ways what these services can do when they release them, but that doesn't mean they can restrict bad actors from taking the technology themselves and doing with it what they will, of using it to spread disinformation and the like. This type of technology is is out of the genie's bottle, uh, so to speak. And it can be built upon and used by anyone to do all sorts of things.
0: That's Cade Metz there, the New York Times technology correspondent, and definitely a good reminder to question everything. Well, that's today's briefing. Tomorrow, if you're struggling to get the children in your life understanding the value of a dollar, well, the Barefoot Investor Scott Pape has a new book for you which is aimed at the younger members of your family. Catch you tomorrow. Listener.